no matter how much pain we're in, no matter how much difficulty we have, we have to step up to the plate. You want to be productive. You want to be successful in business. You want to, you want to make a difference in people's lives. You got to show up every day. Hey everybody, welcome to the Live Your Legacy podcast. The goal of our show is to help you live your legacy by connecting you to people and concepts that have made a tremendous impact on the lives of others. Today we're in for a treat because we've got a productivity specialist here. Today's legacy guest is a man who has devoted himself to the study and sharing of productivity and human psychology for the past 38 years. He's the author of 16 books like productivity, winning in life, and one of Asia's best productivity guru who has influenced over 100,000 leaders in 37 countries to boost productivity and profits. Some of his clients include Microsoft, IBM, GE, Shell, United Nations, US Marines, Singapore Airlines, and I can keep on going on and this list will never end, and the top 100 CIOs in India. He was one of the first few certified speaking professionals and was inducted into the Professional Speaking Hall of Fame in 2019. Other than productivity, he also conducts facilitation skills training for the Singapore's Prime Minister Office and the professors in SUSS, Polytechnics and the Ministry of Education. To top that off, he was awarded both the Ronald Reagan Gold Medal for Business Leadership and the USA Businessman of the Year Award. Introducing to you today's legacy guest, the man who is now currently 65, but has 100 times more energy level than people of his age, Michael Podolinski. Welcome to the show, Michael. Um, thank you very much, Darius. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. This should be fun. Okay, great. Uh, fun fact, um, this is the second time we're filming this because... <laughs> We made a mistake in terms of the audio. So let's just dive into the stories I really want to uh, get out from you. I was really very interested in. So Michael was previously sharing with me about how he tore his ACL on stage when he just went on stage while he was speaking about productivity in front of 1,200 people. And he tore his ACL and he continued for the next few hours speaking and taking photos with others like there was nothing going on. So why don't you walk us through that story, Michael? Okay, well, I worked for five years with Prudential, and they're growing 52.5% during that period. And uh, so I, I'm doing this speech in Midan, and everybody's on their feet, and they're cheering and so forth. It's kind of fun. It's like being a rock star. And uh, so I'm doing different things, drop kicks and whatnot, and I jumped up, put both feet in front, touched my toes in the air, and came back down. I land, I've done it many times, but I landed wrongly and snapped my right interior cruciate ligament. So there's no integrity between the top part of the leg and the bottom part of the leg. And snapping that is called pain. <laughs> and so it, it hurt. And I thought, uh oh, I'm two minutes into a two hour program. Uh, and 1,200 people are here to listen to me. So I can't just quit. The show must go on. So I, I thought, okay, what am I going to do? I asked for a little uh, help from, from God to, to assist me. And, and the thought came into my head, okay, see if you can jump from on one foot and just set your busted leg uh, down, not bearing any weight, and jump from one foot to another foot. And I tried it, and it worked. 
So I used my hip to throw my foot forward and then jump, hip forward and jump. And look, so I was dancing across the stage. Uh, some ladies in the front were screaming when they saw the, the pain in my eyes, but then once I started dancing, they thought, oh, he's okay, he's fine now. Uh, so at any rate, I finished the two-hour speech standing, including picking a guy up on my back, which was uh, part of the, the program that I planned, and finished the program, danced down six steps, danced across the convention hall, uh, got out of that room, went further across the convention hall to another room and gave a two-hour program standing for leaders. After that two hours, my leg was swelling up. My, it was just bowing out against my pants. And then they want to come up for pictures. Anybody been in Asia and you do a program, they want pictures. So they all come up for photos. So we're, uh, you know, then, then I did a thumbs up towards the end. And now everybody wanted a picture with a thumbs up. So I did another hour standing for photo taking. And now I'm barely dancing to the car and get back to the, the hotel room, dragging myself on the carpet to pack up. And uh, I called for a wheelchair. They had one at the hotel, so they didn't. And it doesn't matter. I got onto the plane. They don't have jetways in Midan. So I, would, I had to peg leg up the stairs into the, into the aircraft. Finally back to Singapore, the civilization, they put me in the car, and the, the chair, and they wheel me up to the taxi. The taxi takes me to Glen Eagles, and I thought, from my computer, I'm gonna work. I'm gonna work. No, I, after the morphine they gave me, I'm, I'm looking at my computer, what is this thing? I don't know. Uh, so five days, and um, <laughs> then back out, and, and things are good, so I'm, I'm blessed. But what I, what I learned from that is, you know, the show must go on, and People deserve what they've been promised. And no matter how much pain we're in, no matter how much difficulty we have, we have to step up to the plate. You want to be productive. You want to be successful in business. You want to, you want to make a difference in people's lives. You got to show up every day. Don't tell I don't feel like it today. I'm too tired. I'm too this. I'm too that. You know, I gotta... Now, if you're, if you're sick coughing on people, don't do that. Um, you know, stay home. I mean, that's why we got this whole COVID mess. Uh, it, but if you're, if you're just not feeling up to it, well, take better care of yourself. Have some exercise. Run around the block. Run up and down some stairs. Do something. Splash water in your face. Well, men can do that. Women, they spend an hour putting it on. They don't want to wash it off. You know? But it's, uh, it, it, it's just, Make sure that you keep your energy up so you can be productive and have a great day. Okay. Okay, so my next question is, what is that belief or that value or that mindset, right, we can say, that made you go, I have an ACL tear and I'm still going to go on? Because I believe that that isn't just like, oh, the show must go on and um, like continuing and continue on speech, right? Usually this has probably been built in you since like young until now. So what was it that built up your mindset to this level where I have an ACL tear, you know what? Let's continue on. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I was the smallest kid in school growing up. Uh, the girls used to beat me up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's and, a new one. <clears throat> yeah, and it was, it was rough and I, I put up with it for till sec two and then uh, I finally 
I had enough of it and I decided to take uh, karate, karate to, uh, to learn to defend myself. And once I got into it, I began to learn something called discipline. And that even when you're tired, you keep going. Even when you're sore, you keep going. Even when it hurts, you keep going. Playing full contact karate. Uh, I learned something that I was not that good. And that's not false humility. Trust me, I could show you the, the, the scars on my lip from the stitches and whatever else. Uh, but I, I would not give up a fight because if I did quit, my instructor would give me a worse beating later than any opponent. So I, <laughs> that's actually a really good lesson in life because life will beat us up. You know, we're going to have problems. We're going to have pain. We're going to have difficulties. We're going to have uh, financial issues. We're going to have people lie to us. We're going to have people steal from us. We're going to have all kinds of things that are going to take us away from our, our plans, our goals. But it, it taught me to persevere no matter what. And a lot of people, they, you know, I just, I'm just out of sorts today. And they, that's, there is no such thing as being out of sorts when you're trying to run a business, when you're trying to achieve something. Out of sorts is okay when you've got a handful of servants waiting on your hand and foot. Uh, but that's, I don't think that's a life anyway, because you're not really being productive. Uh, you, you need to just learn to suck it up and to go on, to keep doing it. Uh, you want to be great in your business, then act like somebody who's great in their business, not like somebody who's trying to affect greatness, trying to pretend they're great. Uh, you need to, need to do the tough things. Uh, you know, when there's no low, 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 tired saying, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. But there's truth to it that the people who are willing to eat the pain and keep fighting, keep going, are the ones who, who win. I was not the best karate player ever, but I found as long as I kept taking the pain and kept dishing out pain, eventually the other person couldn't take it. And com com competitors of mine can't take what, it, what you have to go through to make it a, su a success of this business and being an author and a and a keynote speaker and a trainer. It, it's, it's not easy. And there's a, there's a billion people trying to do it. Uh, but are they willing to pay their dues to get good at what they're doing, to be knowledgeable? Or do they just, they read other people's blogs and then go and report it like it's their own information? Uh, but you ask them a question, I gotta go read something else, you know? So uh, you got to be willing to pay, pay, the, pay the price, pay the dues, work hard and not quit. Okay. And I really love about your whole story and journey that you were sharing with me just now. So I just want to go on and ask you, what made you become like devoted into the study of productivity and like go on to develop a high level of mastery in productivity? Uh, well, I come uh, out of university and had a, had a pretty good run there. And when I got out, I got into my ideal job. That was my goal to be an account executive with an advertising agency. Uh, and the way I got that was I, I was sure I was going to get one at Kirk and Associates because I had an internship with them and I did a really great job for them. Uh, and I, but they said, we can't hire you. And I said, why not? You know, and they said, well, you don't have any clients. We only hire account executives who can bring clients to us. 
And I, well, how do you get clients? Well, you got to be an account executive. It's kind of a circuit of reasoning. And uh, so I found nobody else who wanted to hire me because I didn't have clients. They wanted me to start out in the mailroom. Well, why did I bother going to university? You know, uh, but what I did do was I started my own advertising agency. And I sent out 60 letters to different agent, uh, advertising agencies to see if they had leftover business like I had. I was taking over the work of two different account executives when I was an intern. Uh, and I sent out, and one, one guy called me up and he said, okay, that's Fran Faber, Faber Advertising. He says, I like what you wrote here, Mike. How would you like to come to work for me as an account executive? And I couldn't believe what came out of my mouth. I said, I can't. Why not, Mike? Uh, that seems what you want to do. I said, well, I just started my own business and I'm president. Yeah, I didn't have any clients. <laughs> I was president. And he says, and he smiles at Mike, tell you what, you give me eight, 10 hours a day of your very best and uh, I'll make an account executive and we will give you our overflow work that we can't handle. So you're, you can do copywriting and photography work and other work for us that we have as extra work research. And I'm like, okay, shook, shook hands and I was an account executive. Well, I soon learned I wasn't doing the creative stuff because that's all done by the creative director. I didn't know that. Uh, and so I went into other, other sales and found I liked selling and had a creative aspect to it and so forth. So I, I stuck, stuck with that. But almost anything you're doing, you've got, you, I didn't know I was going to get, get into sales. I didn't know about there was public speaking. Nobody ever told me there's a profession called speaking, you know, authoring. I never, nobody talked about that. But I, everything I learned to become good at advertising, uh, you know, layout design, marketing, and re, uh, research, and, uh, you know, learning about different publications, all that has helped me in what I'm doing. So you get good at something, learn it, and those skills will help you with what you ultimately want to do. Because if you're good at it, you need to even improve the skills you've got. And so why did you choose to master productivity then? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, this is leading into that. So, yeah. Uh, well, as I was doing this, I started my own business. And I realized sitting at home, like we are in this COVID world here, uh, a lot of people are work from home. And uh, the refrigerator calls. Ah, come open the door. Ah. Uh, and you tend to want to waste time with that, or you see some other little project around the house you maybe you not need to putz with, or you always feel like you, you can take a break because nobody's looking at you. Uh, and I really wasn't being as productive as I needed to be. So I went out and rented an office, and I didn't have a lot of money then, but I rented an office anyway. And I, I got the discipline to do what I needed to do, no distractions, no refrigerator nearby. And I really started to get a lot done. And after, and also one of the distractions was my mom would call me all the time. Hi, son, how you doing? And while you're at home, so I thought I'd just give you a call and find him. And friends would call me because they thought, well, he's at home. He's not at work. Uh, and, but once I started an office, I could say, yeah, I'm at work. Uh, can we make this brief? And I got the discipline. They learned not to call me. And then after a couple of years, I went back to working from home and was very productive. You just gotta be disciplined for 30, 60, 90 days, and then you can really work productive. 
effectively from home. You have to set your limits, set your office hours, stick to those office hours, taking break for lunch, don't work at your desk. Uh, taking a break halfway through the morning, halfway through the afternoon so you can refresh yourself. Maybe that's a time you're going to check your emails or your WhatsApps or messages and, and be able to do something else. Maybe just take a walk because you need it. And you find you're going to end up being a lot more productive. Okay, so, great. I got so I got interested in productivity and I began to study it and I wanted to get better at it. And then I started writing books on it. And I started uh, my first time management program I gave uh, to a risk insurance management society. 5,000 risk managers come together once a year and have a big convention and had me in and had five years in a row. And that's how I ended up coming to Singapore was because someone heard oh. me there and said, Mr. Michael, would you be willing to come to Singapore and give us the same program? Uh, and so I said, yeah, of course, uh, but it's expensive to fly me in. Give me the name of a half a dozen organizations that hire speakers and trainers like myself. And we can, if I can sell uh, one or two or three of them, well, you know, we'll split airfare. She said, great idea. And so we booked two. I, one was AIA and I spoke to a thousand agents in Singapore. That was my first speech. And the other one was Singapore Institute of Management. And I've now done over 500 two-day workshops for SIM. Uh, okay. And uh, that all came from uh, that, that initial leap into doing time management for this association. And they had asked me to do it, and I currently wasn't a, a program that I was offering. Okay. And talking about productivity right now, right? In the book, Productivity, Winning in Life, we talk about passion as a base as productivity. So I'm really fascinated with what mm. does passion have to do with productivity, right? Well, a lot of people mistakenly give advice to younger people and say, you gotta follow your passions, follow your passions. And, uh, and that can be a total waste of time. I, I knew of a lady who married a guy who's passionate about fly fishing and tying flies. And so he'd spend all day in his basement tying flies. And he never sold them. And he wasn't making any money. She's earning money. They end up having a child. She's taking care of the kid, working business, taking care of all the finances. He's downstairs tying flies. He talked to people about flies all day. He, he showed people his flies. They'd give his flies away, but he wasn't making any money. It was his passion. But it's got to be a productive passion. Yeah, you got to be able to make money at it. So instead, find something you're good at doing that pays money. When you find what you're good at, you will then learn about it because you're good at it. You want to get even better at it. Then once you're getting even better at it, you'll make more and more money. And then you become passionate about that. The idea is you start by becoming uh, good at something, then become passionate about it and then work your passion into it. Your passion feeds energy. It fuels you all day long to keep going. There are times that I'm working here and I haven't had breakfast yet and I look and it's three in the afternoon. And I'm like, oh man, I, I, I wanna get, uh, I wanna have a little bite to eat. Uh, energy's starting to lag a bit. And it's just, I'm so excited about it because I wanna learn more, I wanna grow more. And so I, I've learned to study it. and what makes people productive and what wastes time. 
And it's, it's been fun to learn and fun to grow and fun to change and then to share those lessons with others. Now that you have mentioned about productivity, right? Many of us have different definition of productivity mm. as like a common man, mm. person that's using productivity. So how do you define, in your opinion, how do you define productivity? Uh, uh, productivity, I define as value add. If we're not adding value, we're not being productive. So I, I look at economists, they talk about the whole economy and subtract this for that and come up and, and I, I look at very simply, if we're not adding value, we're not being productive. And the average employee, if you're an employee uh, listening to this, the average employee costs their organization 247% of salary. Now, uh, most people don't think of that. How could that be? Salary is the big part. It's not. That's the smaller part. Uh, for example, in Singapore here, we have CPF, Central Provident Fund. In the U.S., we have Social Insecurity. It was originally from the U.S. Social Insecurity. It's all paid out of current dollars. They never saved five cents of the money I dumped in and everybody else dumped in. So CPF is a good thing, but you pay maybe somewhere about a third of what you cost the organization is in CPF. You're paying part, your company's organization, government's paying part, right? Uh, then you have health insurance. Okay, well, the average health insurance costs $10,000 per person per year. Add that in. Um, how many of you take up physical space? You're not a, you're, you're, you're not a uh, avatar. Well, Everyone. you take space and everybody. So the physical space in Singapore is expensive per square meter, particularly in the CBD. Uh, the fancier the building and the more atriums and the more grand spaces and open courtyards there are, the more you're paying per square meter. And all that costs money. Uh, electricity for air conditioning. The late great Lee Kuan Yew said the greatest invention of the 20th century was air conditioning. It allows us to work in this hot environment. And all that costs money. Uh, and anything else that are extra perks, benefits, your boss's time working with you, uh, time that you uh, have to spend with your subordinates, the people that are reporting to you. All this is costing money before you make dollar one. Only at 248% of your salary, you make your first dollar for your boss and the organization and your first bit of productivity value so add. So essentially, you're saying that we all have to double our productivity, in, whether is it your business or whether you got to double your productivity to make a profit in the first place, right? So how, and it's pretty extreme, right, to double our productivity. So how do we go about doubling our productivity? Okay, well, let's, let's be clear that half the people really need to dramatically increase their productivity because they're not even covering their expenses. And that, that's, that's just about half. Um, they need to easily double or triple what they're doing in order to uh, make, start making money for the organization. But there are, the other half are making money, so they may not have to double, but it is possible. A lot of times governments are happy with 1.5% growth uh, you know, in productivity, 2% uh, growth, they're excited, 4%, you know, woohoo! Uh, they just won UEFA Cup. Uh, in productivity <laughs> in their minds. But it, it's, it, it, reality is, 
you can double or triple your productivity in a year. Any organization can double if they really get serious about it. For example, Microsoft in Japan double, uh, no, increased by 40%. 40% in one month just by making one simple change. Okay, and that was going from a five-hour work or five-day work week to a four-day work week. Uh, and people finally get sleep, get energy, and 40% boost in productivity. Uh, Kapersky Labs, they do you know, security software. And they began to realize how much time people were putting in on their phones. And so they banned phones at work, smartphones at work, and they had a 26% boost in productivity. And if you keep adding up the things that, that have such a dramatic increase, literally you could double what you're doing in a year. Uh, I'm talking about the 100% growth in what you can accomplish by simply following some proven procedures and quit wasting time. If you had a a vein. If you cut yourself on the skin and you just have a little bit of blood there, you wipe it off, it seals up, the body's good about that. But if you slash uh, an ephemeral artery in your leg or slash a jugular, you got about two, two and a half minutes and you're gone, <laughs> even with pressure. Uh, and there's a lot of organizations right now that are bleeding because of COVID. I, and I, had a, I got a buddy of mine, he had to lay off 400 people from his company, and some of which had been with him for 30 years because he couldn't afford the salaries because he had zero income because of this pandemic virus. And that's, can you imagine 30 years plus of your business being flushed down? Um, it's, it's tough. So we need to be constantly thinking, how can we make it productive? How can we produ be productive when we are online like this? And work from home and you're wor uh, working online, you have, you have meetings and sometimes you get flooded with meetings all day long, you get nothing done and you get bored and depressed. It's okay. boring. And so the next question, since you're talking about this whole COVID thing, right? Is yeah. what can we do to be more productive, put, to be more productive now that we're all in self-isolation and at home? Well, first of all, just like when I started my business and I had to get an office to get the, the, the discipline to work at home and then to apply it at home and let people know that they can't call me anytime they want, uh, telling my mom, I love you, I want to talk to you, can we do it after six? My friends, same thing. And I had to work out certain commitments from other people not to distract me. So while you're working at home, set standard business hours for you. The rule of thumb that's, that's really productive, eight hours of work, eight hours with family, with play, with prayer, with relaxation, fun, and eight hours of sleep, 888, and you can be massively productive. So you've got to plan business. You can't just kind of half and half do business a little bit and then fool around and watch YouTube videos and and uh, play video games and, you know, Fortnite and whatever else you're doing or, you know, crushing candy and uh, whatever it is that you're into. You need to say, I'm going to still work my eight hours and make sure that I'm productive within those, uh, within those hours. And 
bosses need to keep their meetings short. You know, don't go and have try to have a two hour uh, Zoom meeting. <sighs> Who's going to be awake? You know, uh, after a while, you notice some of the some of the images are frozen, <laughs> and they're like this. You know, for <laughs> for the whole time because they just put a screenshot up. Uh, that's not what that's not what you need. You, meetings are for meeting of the minds. People need to be uh, participating. It needs to be interactive. And don't call a meeting with everybody unless it's something truly inspirational or must know thing. And keep it short. Keep it under fifteen minutes. But as much as possible, they should be interactive, talking. If they're not going to be talking, not going to be sharing, why are they there? You know, why should we listening to other people talk? That's that, that's no fun. I mean, it better be more entertaining uh, than a Hollywood blockbuster or a Bollywood blockbuster because our Canton <laughs> pop star uh, Korean drama blockbuster. I mean, if it's not more entertaining than that, you can't take it for more than a few minutes. Seriously. And so how many minutes do you think a meeting should be? Okay. I'm a, a big advocate and proponent of 15 minute meetings okay now amazon does that amazon does that uh google does that uh you're going to find that i work with hospitals get them to do that uh schools are doing that and what they do is they usually have some simple rules and there's there's three things that they do each person will share at the meeting you go around everybody shares and first thing is what did you accomplish yesterday if you didn't accomplish something yesterday why are you still employed? <laughs> so you, you, what did you accomplish? And by the way, if they can't think of anything, it tells you something. Uh, but what did you accomplish? And, and the, more, the bigger it is, the more bragging rights they have, they feel good about being able to share what they accomplished. Oh, it's oh, awesome. Cool. They I did A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Uh, and that's great. But what did you accomplish? Second, what are you going to do today? What are you going to do today? Because if you don't, I don't know. I just thought I'd see what happened. No, you got to have a plan for the day. So you're going to be able to do more that way. And the third component part, and this is, this is important. The third one, what do I need help with? Do I need time from boss, time from, uh, from uh, the IT people? Do I need time from uh, merchandise supply? Do I need time from sales team? Do I need time from uh, finance? Do I, whatever, what do I need help with? Or, hey, I, I need some other help uh, later on in the afternoon with, with something. Would you be able to give me some time? And I'll help you with something later with you. In other words, everybody knows what everybody has done, what everybody plans to do, and what they need assistance with. And by doing that, everybody knows, everybody's on time. Uh, you go around, everybody shares quickly, and it's a daily meeting. I'm not saying a 15-minute meeting once a year. You, you can't cover a year in 15 minutes. In fact, uh, it's, it's going to be a, a week-long meeting to get people caught up, and that's just a waste of time and energy. But if, if it's 15 minutes every single day, everybody's on task, everybody's focused, everybody's working, everybody's helping each other. It's great for team building. And uh, if you've got nothing to say in a daily meeting, you could say pass, and it just moves on. And what happens is rarely do they ever go over 15 minutes. And it's a wonderful way to run meetings and keep people on task. And they spend the majority of their time not sitting in another Zoom, WebEx, uh, Web Ninja <laughs> meeting 
uh, Google Hangouts. No, it's a productive meeting that happens quickly and inspires people. So I love the uh, point that you talk about how you ask, what, what are you going to do today? Which is really pointing out what do you plan to do today, right? So let's go on yeah. to this whole topic of planning, right? And I understand that planning is extremely important mm. in productivity. So I just want to know yeah. from you, um, how do you actually plan out um, your year or your month or your days? I learned from my guru, my mentor, E. James Rohn. And he was, he was brilliant and, and adamant about a five-year plan. And so ever since I started my business, I had a five-year plan. And you take your five-year plan, divide it by five to come up with your one-year plan. And the problem is, here's where people mess up. They take your, their one-year plan and divide it by 12. Guaranteed failure. <clears throat> you know, question, how much work here in Singapore and most of Asia, how much work did you get done the week of and the week after Chinese New Year? Not much. Not much, yeah. <laughs> Probably in a food coma. Yeah, yeah. Oh, mom's cooking, huh? Your grandma's cooking, huh? Uh, yeah, and it's, it's hard to be productive. And you've got so many family obligations and other things, the multiple days and da 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 So how much work do you get done 10 days after high riot? You know, eat a lot of pineapple tarts, but maybe don't get a lot of work done. Uh, and then there's, there aren't people at work, even if you're not celebrating. So it's, it's harder to get things done with other people. And what about from the middle of December to the end of the first week of January? Everyone's on leave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you, you got to know that seasonally, there are times you're not going to get a lot of work done. So you have to take your annual goals and push them out of those weeks, those months, and put it into other months. Then you also know in your industry, there are times that are just busier because of, of demand, uh, because of seasonalities in businesses. And so those busy times, you're going to have to double or triple what you would do on a normal day. And that's when you say nobody can take a holiday during that time period. <clears throat> I need all hands on deck. We have to really push these goals. No interrupting anybody else. Um, turn off phones, turn off notifications, turn off, and basically focus people to be really hyper productive during those time periods. Then during the slower times, encourage people to take their holidays during those times. And if they don't want to, offer them an extra day to encourage them to take the time. In other words, uh, find ways of getting people to be really productive at some times and they've got all the support they need because nobody's on, on holiday. And if they are sick, let them work from home like we're doing in a COVID world. And they're still being productive and, and making progress. Uh, but we got to make sure that we manage this. And within COVID world, like I said, we've got to block out our work day. And we have to know what our goals are for the year. And then break it into uh, what are we going to do every month? And to-do lists are great, but to-do lists are great after you put things in the calendar. We usually work week to week. So plan weeks at a time. And the time to plan your week is at the end of the week. It's the best. Because now you plan at the end of the week, you think back, maybe take an hour and a half lunch and do it on Friday and say, what, what worked well this week? How can I do more of that next week? Uh, what didn't work well? Who distracted me? 
uh, and then make a plan to avoid those people like the plague. Uh, and uh, and then figure out what, what do I do, need to do more? Well, what, what could I, should I be doing less of? And what's, what are my priorities this month that I haven't worked on enough yet? And put those into your plan. And then you write it all up and tuck it into your desk drawer and leave for the weekend. Now, you, you don't sit there all week consciously thinking about your plan, but the subconscious mind, by writing it down, reading through it, you've entered in, into the limbic system of the brain, the subconscious mind. The subconscious mind works stress-free on this all day and all night. And now when you come in on Monday, bam, one, two, three, four, five, all these things are firing quickly. And you take your list and on your Monday, you put in the projects you're gonna work on them, when you're gonna work, how much time you're gonna block out to each one. And if it's in the calendar, it gets done. If it stays on a to-do list, maybe 20% to three quarters won't get done. So you need a, a separate to-do list for every day, that, but put it in the calendar in, in terms of appointments and prioritize it so that the most important things you attack first while you're fresh and then the secondary and then finally the ancillary ones you can do whenever you want to take a break. I really love the point where you give the few reflective questions of like, um, just to repeat, you said, what do you do well this week? What do you think you can do better? Um, what distracted you? Who are the people distracting you? And then how to avoid death, right? <laughs> Especially like the yeah. last part, because most of the time we don't really see it until we actually reflect and think about it and write it down. Oh yeah, this person is actually wasting quite a lot of time. And then this brings on to priorities in life, right? What priorities do you think that most of us get wrong in our lives? Uh... I see a lot of people focus only on making money and on business. And then they look around after a year, after a whole career and they're alone at home. Uh, marriage didn't work out or the five marriages didn't work out. Uh, kids won't talk to them if they had kids. Uh, and you look at, they, what did they give you? for your years of service. They give you a gold watch. And you never run time all the time you're at work and now they give you a watch. <laughs> the irony. The irony, yeah. And uh, I think you, you need to focus on what's really important in life. Everybody's got what I call the five Fs. Uh, faith, uh, family, uh, fitness, finances, and friendships. Faith, family, fitness, finances, and friendships. And they got all five. Some put the finance first. When I was single guy, I had it up there for a while, and then it should have been uh, faith and then finances. But we all have different priorities in life. You don't have a, have a religion or anything, then you might put money first. It's just, you got to work family in there. That's got to be a priority. So at any rate, you set your five Fs and figure out how they're going to work for you. For me, uh, I have a, I don't have a religion, I have a faith. And so I put Jesus first. That's, that's my importance. It may not be yours. That's my focus. Number one. Number two, my wife. I've got a covenant relationship with her. Second is our kids. Um, I've got a biblical relationship with them. This is, this is important, a directive I, for me. Um, I'm there to provide and to take care of them. Okay. Then in terms of my, uh, my, my health and fitness, if I don't have the energy, I can't work. 
if I'm not healthy and I got infrared cancer, have uh, cardiovascular disease, have hypertension, diabetes, uh, that's really going to cut my productive years shorter. So I need to keep all those in line. Plus, they give me energy, which is, which is really great. Uh, and then the finances. Yes, making enough money, more than enough. I believe in uh, having, uh, having abundance in life. And uh, abundance is having more than what we need. And it, it's possible. And it comes from not just hard work, but from smart work. And by giving things your best and being honest with people, treating them with the respect they deserve. Uh, there was a time that I was burned out in this business and I, and I was having issues and I didn't even know I was burned out. And there were times then that my customer service lagged and I'm really regretting that. But uh, if you give it your very best, I grew to a 90% repeat in my business, repeat referral and then 50% repeat referral, then 90% repeat business. And that's because of doing that. And then uh, in terms of the friendships, friends are great. I've got uh, 10 friends globally that I really love and would give anything for and, and care about. But I've got 10,000 friends on social media. And most of them I never met. And they, the ones I never met keep asking me to go and like their pages, you know, and, <laughs> and, and to wave at them. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, I respect them. I'm happy they want to connect with me. That's wonderful. But don't ask me to like your page. I don't know who you are. You know, don't, don't wave at me. I'm not going to wave back. I don't do that. So uh, <laughs> it's a waste of time. That's so true. It's not productive. Uh, but what, I, what, I, what I'm trying to do is, Keep, stay in touch with them. Uh, I ask them during the COVID period how they're doing. I will in include them in our family Christmas card where we talk about holiday trips we've taken and what we've done in the year and where our family's going and ask them to reciprocate, send me theirs. And it makes, it makes a difference. I do it as a, as a PDF. And it's, uh, it's, it's staying in touch with family, staying in touch with friends and uh, then, then that's important, but it's the five F's and I, that's my order of priority. You could change yours totally differently. I, it, it's up to the individual. That's my order of priorities. I really love how you talk about the five priorities so that people can have that focus on or whether they want to rank or maybe they want to balance out their priorities, right? And sometimes our priorities are often distracted by this thing I'm holding here, which is our phone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I really love the stats that you shared with me just now. So walk us through like, um, how do we get rid of this phone, right? I mean, the common advice is when we do work, just throw the phone away, right? But it's so difficult to do it because after, maybe we do it for one time and then we're like, oh, okay, that's pretty good. And then the second time you might start to put your phone beside you in case like there's any messages, you know, or emails, maybe that's an urgent email that comes in. So how do we actually have the discipline to put our photos away, right? Okay, uh, it ain't easy. For most people, it, it's not. And for me, I didn't grow up with this thing, you know, glued to me. Uh, we used to have these phones, they, I, it just sounds strange, but it, it sat on a desk and had a cord that came up, or it was on a wall and had a cord that would come up to your ear. Uh, and so you didn't carry it around with you. But just because we can doesn't mean we have to. Just because it can fit in your hand doesn't mean you have to glue it there. And that's where uh, deciding how we choose to do this. I, in the new book, uh, working on it, Take Back Your Life, 
and because we people don't even know their life was taken, so we're teaching them how to how to take it back. And I, I have what I call life's digital desert, and it's a very dry place. And a lot of it comes from the technology and the way it's been addicting us and taking us away from uh, what really matters in our lives. A human that would be human connections in an analog world, face to face. Uh, shaking hands in a non-COVID world, giving somebody a hug that you, you care about. So anyway, uh, you know, most people won't say throw it away. I admire you for that. But, <laughs> but it's, uh, they'll set it on their desk and keep working. But in 2009, a study came out, and one out of every 10 people was addicted to a smartphone. Addicted, like cocaine, like alcohol, you know, like... Uh, video game addiction, All right. can't do without it. And that was problematical back then. And they would have phantom vibrations. I kid you not, the phone's in their pocket and they haven't seen it in a while. They, oh, oh, there's a vibration, I must have a message. And they open it up and there's no message. There's no WhatsApp, there's no anything. And it was a phantom vibration because they were so longing for that connection to be know, know that they're that somebody wants them, that they're needed, you know, and that's a very needy place to come from. Uh, so you don't just throw it away. For me, I, I block out times when I will check my phone during the business week, 10, 2, and 6, 10 in the morning, uh, 2 in the afternoon, and 6 p.m. I tell my clients, you want to talk to me, uh, you need to get to me, let's do it 10, 2, and 6 or you send any time, but my notifications are off, I'll reach you at 10, two or six, and that's when I'll connect with you. And hopefully that's good enough. Most, what I do is not brain surgery where I'm gonna be called in on a moment's notice to remove a cyst in somebody's brain. You know, I, I'm not running into the operating theater as a surgeon to replace a heart that just got donated, with a one that just got donated. You know, most of us think we have to do it right now. No, if we do it as a plan, as we do it on a regular basis, if we do it in 90-minute in chunks that we'll talk about, if we do it in such a way that we are in control of it, we will actually get more done and get better service to customers. Like, most of the emergencies aren't really emergencies anyway. So if you, if you do it at set times, you're now in control of the phone. Phone's not in control of you. Uh, and you may not be able to get by with three times. You might need 10 times a day. Oh, I'm required to be on the phone 24-7. Uh, That's nuts. They have, we need this thing called sleep. And you can't be answering the phone while you're asleep. If you're constantly waking up throughout the night, you're not getting a good sleep, you're going to be groggy at work. Uh, you know, this stencil on head, Bodo, this is not smart. Xiao, this is crazy. You know, it's... Uh, we need to be better about how we use our time. And part of this I learned from uh, Fran Faber of Faber Advertising was you need to actually educate your clients as to how we best work with them and how they can best work with us. And we tell them, look, this is how we, we work best. And you, if you got an issue, uh, contact us and we'll get right on it. But let's plan in advance a year's worth or advertising or more. And let's plan on set meeting times so we don't have surprises. 
uh, and if it's uh, related to creativity, don't call me. Here, let me contact you directly to the creative director. Uh, if you want to place something, let me put you in, uh, connected to who's in charge of media placement. And so you can use the other people on your team to act as a buffer. So you don't constantly have to be interrupted yourself. And there, we just have to educate our uh, people we work with, internal or external clients to work with us in a better way. Okay, and you mentioned about this whole 90 minutes plan, right? Walk us through how do you do this 90 minutes chunk and why is it specifically 90? Right, because Pomodoro technique does like a 25. So why is it that 90 that you advocate for? Okay, uh, 90 minutes, a lot of studies have shown that 90 minutes is about as productive as the human being can be. Okay, it takes uh, about 13, 13 and a half minutes on average to get us thinking about an A1 project. You can certainly go and, and start adding up a bunch of numbers without any delay at all. But if you're thinking about an A1 project, a major project for you, which is what you should always attack first, uh, you got that A1 project. It takes about uh, 10, 12, 13, 14 minutes, something like that, 13 and a half minutes. And now you're, you've got, okay, budget, who, is gonna, who do I need to work on this? What changes have I learned about? Uh, what, what is no longer important? Uh, what, what just came in in the post or what came in in the email? What, and then whoop, 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 you bring all these elements in and now you're ready to go. And now you're really being productive. So 19, 20, 25, 28 minutes into this thing. And then there's a noise on your phone. And, uh, oh, gee, you know, uh, it's somebody trying to sell casino stuff. Uh, and in your back. And now it takes, again, not 13 minutes, but maybe another seven, eight minutes to get back into what you're thinking about. And that's time wasted. Now you're in there. Now you're working 30, 35, 45 minutes, and somebody knocks on your door. In the COVID world, it would just be another e-notification. And it's... Uh, distracting us, taking us away. If we can have 90 minutes uninterrupted, how much time? How much time? 90 There's minutes. <laughs> 90 minutes. 90 minutes uninterrupted. Un interrupted. Everybody uh, watching this. Everybody 90 minutes uninterrupted. 90 minutes uninterrupted. And most people only have 20 minutes at work uh, where they're not interrupted. If you're at home, you gotta have a place, a table away from family, particularly if you got kids. Uh, if the dog's tail is knocking against the wall or distracting you, have to send the dog out. Uh, have somebody else take care of it for a while. But the idea is you need to have 90 minutes uninterrupted so you can be productive, be focused, and really get the most done. Now, what if your boss is your number one interruption? Well, then you go to your boss and say, boss, I just learned about this 90 minute marvel and it's amazing and you deserve to have 90 minutes totally uninterrupted. Uh, block out your 90 minute block and then forward all your calls to me. I'll take care of it. I'll make sure you're not interrupted. I'll, make, I'll be a sentinel at your door so nobody interrupts you. You can really be focused, get so much more done, boss. I'm willing to do that. Okay, so if your boss is your number one interrupter, when do you set your 90 minute block of time? Same time as Same the boss. Time. Yep. You just eliminated number one interrupter. And they say, but now I got calls coming from the boss and other. No, no, no. What you do is you ask your colleague and say, you know, this 90 minute marvel is a good thing. 
I'll, I'll watch for you 90 minutes if you watch for me 90 minutes. And so we can both be more productive. Sound good? Oh, yeah, sounds great. Tell you what, I'll make mine, uh, if, uh, if your boss's thing is 11 to 1230, you make yours at the same time. You said, tell you what, I'll cover for you from 3 to 430, and you cover for me, I don't know, arbitrarily 11 to 1230. And you help each other. By the way, I, you might get calls from the boss too, because I take care of a few of the bosses. And the point is that you now have a 90-minute block of time uninterrupted. Will it work 100%? No, nothing does. Nothing does. Uh, but if it works 74% of the time, is it worth doing? 74% solution? Yep, definitely. And the whole thing is that you want to keep making it better and better. And not because of the times it doesn't work, don't give up. Use it for the times that it does work. When I wrote this book, uh, I wrote it in 10 days. Nobody writes a book in 10 days. You know? But I did it with four 90-minute blocks per day uninterrupted. And I focused it and got it done in, in a two-week time frame. I got it done in 10 days of work. And it, it's incredibly productive when you are truly focused on something you're doing. And then I'd get up and have a walk. Or I take a break and stand up at my standing desk with do email. I uh, change the routine. Again, out go to a different location. Uh, changing locations helps to add energy. So different locations in your house. If you're doing this now in a COVID world, just going out working from home, you just have a different location, and it can make you uh, a lot more productive. Uh, try if you can't get away from people, sit on the stairs, the stairwell. I mean, whatever it takes. You have a little different situation can make a big difference. Okay, and now you have this like 90 minutes plan. So we're working back, right? From just now what you said, you have yeah. that five-year goal and then you have the one-year goal and then for your monthly goals, you really got to uh, vary. You, you really you know like in terms of the seasons. Yes. Right? And then now we talk about weekly and then daily in terms of the 90 minutes, right? Just want to know how do you actually schedule out your daily, uh, what's your daily plan like and how do you put this 90 minutes chunk? Okay, as I, as I look what I'm going to do in a week, I don't make a daily to-do list for a year, that's insane. Uh, but I plan what I'm doing for a week. And when I look at what I need to achieve in a week, what are my priorities? And sometimes the priorities for the week in terms of activities are more in terms of things that have to get done early in the week versus late in the week. So I put the most urgent ones, not necessarily always the most important ones, because they're all gonna get done during the week. But I put the most urgent ones that need to get done early on, because that's step A and you can't start with step C. I start, I put those in the Monday. And then I have a theme for that. And so the theme might be, uh, you know, uh, feet, uh, boots on ground, and running as, so that the most important things or the most urgent things right now are the ones that I'm getting done that are part of these priorities. And I do that on Monday. And so I put those in there, but they're on my calendar. What time block, what 90-minute time block do they go into? And when I can't always schedule a 90-minute block because it's between uh, other conference calls or whatever, then I, I maybe only have a a 30 minute squeeze in between, then I'll put in what things during that 30 minute break I need to cover. Or I might just take a 30 minute walk just because I need the energy. If you ever eat a lunch that's heavy uh, and you're, you're feeling down, just staying at your desk is probably the worst thing you can do. Stand up, move around, 
have, have a little bit of a run up the stairs and down the stairs and splash a little water in your face. At least men can do that. Women usually spend an hour putting it on. They don't want to wash it off. Uh, ladies, I'm sorry. Uh, you look beautiful. And I love that. But uh, yeah, the guys have an advantage that we can wash our face uh, multiple times during the day and without having to have any delays. So the, the point is, though, that you need to manage your time, manage your energy, manage your purpose and function and block it out day by day on your calendar with each day having a maybe a different to-do list for that week and then repeat the next week. Okay. And, you, and repeat. <laughs> rinse and repeat. So true. And then you just talk about this whole thing about energy level. Right? I really, really yeah. love your energy level. And if you can cue the oh, clip thanks. over here of him cut willing in front of like 8,500 people and then he's jumping around. <laughs> like this guy is, how old are you right now? 60. I'm 65. Right. He's 65 yeah. and he's at this high energy level. So I really want to know Ooh. where does this energy level stems from? Like it probably has a higher purpose that it's coming from, right? Yes, I, and you're 100% spot on. I, first of all, I don't have a religion or religiosity and yeah, everybody's different. They've got some, none at all, that's fine. But I have a faith in Christ and, and as Jesus is my savior, then I, I have that energy because I'm always tuned in to uh, that faith centering uh, in the Latin, inspirare. That uh, have that inspiration in my life. It means God breathes, and so if we have an inspiration, it's literally the word means God breathed into. So uh, and, and theos is another way of uh, God's God's energy is is in there. So the Greek and the whole thing is that we have that that for me at least gives me gives me a lot of solace energy. I start the day and the day uh, with Bible readings, devotionals, and what. Then I'm getting into uh, what am I? What am I doing physically? So after my family and whatnot, I got to do something physically. And a lot of times, I brisk walk, for example, with my daughter, and she's 18, and so we go brisk walking. We sometimes we pass joggers, uh, not runners, but joggers, and uh, so we get a lot of a lot of good energy there. Uh, I just got through. I started in this COVID world. I, uh, we're in a condo, and so we. I started climbing the whole block, 24 four stories. And I did two blocks the first time. I thought I was going to die. But I, I did again the next week. And on this yesterday, I did uh, seven blocks. This is only six block units. So I duplicated one. And that's 24 stories, each, 23, 24 stories each. Plus, uh, that made 2,480 uh, stair steps. Uh, and that's, that's, Ben, I, wow. it, it actually got easier the more I've been doing this, uh, simply because my body's gotten used to it. And the amazing thing about exercise, the body, you, you tear the body down, but it always comes back stronger. Lift weights, you tear muscle down, but it comes back stronger. Lungs, you tear them down, but it, they come back stronger. Cardiovascular system comes back stronger. And I, my, my bride, uh, got me an audio book from the National Library. And they have the ebook there as well. It, it's amazing book. This one's for men. It's called Younger Next Year. And they've come out with one for women uh, as well now. And uh, a gerontologist on how you can actually reverse aging was one of the authors. And the other is Chris, a guy who's now 76. And this guy, 76, he lost, he lost all these kgs in weight, uh, you know, double digit kgs. And 
he, he's been lifting weights heavy two, three times a week. And he's doing exercise six times a week. That's the plan. We're supposed to be exercising six times a week, actually seven, but I prefer to have one day rest and get a little recuperation on. And it, it's amazing. He's now skiing double diamond ski in Colorado. Double, it's the diamonds, black diamonds, the, the strongest. Double diamonds are insane. And in deep powder, which is the hardest. When he was 35, he couldn't do more than half a day, more than three hours. And now he's doing all day long and he's 76. <clears throat> and he's got more energy. So I've noticed since I've been doing these stairs and been working on harder and lifting weights, the gym is closed. But when the gym got closed, I asked, this is before COVID started. I was a couple of days before I asked if I could have the dumbbells and use them at home. And they gave me permission along with a weight bench. I brought that I, I thought I was going to take three dumbbells. I took all 19, you know. I, uh, so they why are we going to keep all these? You know, you, you're crazy. But uh, <laughs> now she realizes it's okay. I found a way to store it. Well. It's, uh, and it's, it's wonderful to work out heavy with weights again. It, weights dropping. And I feel, I feel stronger and more energized than I did when I was 45. And that's a fact. And what, what's the purpose behind you, even though maybe you're 65, right? people are thinking of going to retirement, people are thinking of like, you know, yeah. I'm just going to sit in front of my TV every day and just relax life, right? What makes, no, I mean, that's pretty true, right? And what makes you still go up and like, you know what, I'm going to go and climb seven blocks of 24 uh, stories and I'm still going to go lift weights and keep my body fit? Well, <clears throat> I've always had a five-year plan. My Jim Brown, my mentor, taught me five-year plans. So I did that. But when I was 63, I realized if I have a five-year plan, I might just limp along into retirement. And I never wanted to retire. And I couldn't figure out at that moment why I was even thinking, considering a retirement. Most of the, most of the guys that I know that are 65 or even 60 plus, uh, they're dreaming about retirement and drool coming down the side. <laughs> you know? But you know what? After six months of this, the, on the void deck dry swimming they're bored you know that's mahjong for the, those who don't know uh they're bored <laughs> and they, they want to go back to work and so either they become a consultant in their their former company or they end up standing at mac and don's supper club mcdonald's i'm sorry and, and you know, yeah yeah you know what i shake with that you know you need a you need a tarot pie you know um, <laughs> uh, can i get your call and uh, they're doing something because they're just bored sitting at home. They want to try something different. There was a guy here. I just, I really liked him. We're exactly the same age. He's a security guard, former engineer, but he just wanted to do something different. Okay. And then he's moved on to another property. I miss the guy. We had nice conversations, but it's, uh, people get bored. And I didn't want to get bored. So at 63, I decided not to make a five-year plan. I made a seven, I made a 12-year plan, 12-year plan. Okay. That was 2017. And all of a sudden, I realized with 12 years, take me to 75, I got a lot to do. So I started researching, started learning. So instead of a, a ten, uh, writing a book in 10 days, I started researching. I've been spending two years to write this next book series to get us started. I've been researched for two books, and I, I'm 80% of the way done with book number one. And it, it's a lot more work when you start from scratch. And so I got all this new information, got all this stuff. I'm passionate about it again. Now I look back and see 
at, at 63, I was burned out and I was probably burned out for five to eight years. And I didn't know it. I've written articles on burnout, how to recognize it. I didn't recognize it myself. Alcoholics never see themselves as alcoholics. Uh, you know, people with uh, social issues never notice it. You know? What do you mean? There's a, what's wrong with wanting, you know, and they, they, they never notice their own behaviors, right? Somebody else has to point it out. And that's where I found out I was ugh, burned out. And so I began to overcome the burnout, which meant more exercise. And how did you healthier? And how did how does one get out of a burnout? Right? I think it's quite common for whether entrepreneurs yeah. or even people to suffer from a burnout. How does one get out or how did you get out from that burnout? Okay. Uh, I've read different things. I've heard different theories. Uh, a lot of psychologists want to put people on drugs. Uh, I prefer a natural approach. A number one, uh, change your nutrition. There's a good chance what you're eating is, has not been feeding your brain and you've got too much junk floating around. I don't necessarily believe in a detox, uh, but I, because our body's doing that all the time anyway, but I think it's good to get rid of some things like uh, maybe cut caffeine uh, for a couple of weeks. You're going to have headaches. I promise. Cut you. fast food guys. <laughs> yeah. Oh, way too many people yeah. eating fast food. Oh, way too many, you know, and it's, it's really bad for us. Uh, one of the things in my the second book in the series after take back your life is take back your health and the tobacco companies when they found out it's getting harder to sell tobacco <clears throat> they bought out the top two food producing companies in the u.s that are also the top two in the world and uh they're making they decided to make food more addictive because they they live off addiction they make more money so what do they do they add more sugar more salt more fat and ooh, the fit the mouth loves that oh it tastes great uh it gives you cardiovascular disease gives you diabetes uh it gives you uh, hypertension but guess what uh they also connect and buy uh buy shares or own parts of the pharmaceutical companies that try to help get rid of those issues it's just one whole loop yeah and instead uh i I ran across uh, a Netflix video. It's the number one of the documentaries filed. It's called uh, uh, Forks, El Tenedor, Forks Over Knives. Okay. And uh, it's about, you want to be digging into a bowl with a fork. Uh, you want to be eating whole food, plant-based nutrition. Don't go on a diet. I've been on three diets to lose weight. And every time I eventually got up to the original weight. <laughs> You can't maintain a diet, the grapefruit diet. Oh, what a brilliant idea, just eat grapefruits. Well, you can survive on that for a couple of weeks, but you're really destroying your, your internal systems and you're not giving your body the nutrition it needs. Uh, but you can lose weight on it. Uh, you can lose weight on keto diet, you know? But we don't know about the cardiovascular disease and other things that may be cropping up later. Uh, you, I don't think there's a get out of jail free card for eating massive quantities of fat. Uh, but you, but you, you want to eat nutrition that you can maintain your whole life. So I'm on whole food plant-based nutrition and my weight has gone down. I was in the mid 150s, which was my university weight, not bad. But I also found another book in there, or another video, pardon me, in the, that documentaries file on Netflix. 
uh, called Game Changers. Arnold Schwarzenegger and James Cameron. James Cameron, these are executive producers. Jackie Chan's an executive producer. And James Cameron, you know, from uh, Titanic and Avatar. And Schwarzenegger, that Terminator, I'll be back. And he has gone whole food, plant-based nutrition. And he found he's healthier and he says, and because of the spices, I love it even better than meat. Uh, he does cheat meat steaks sometimes. But, uh, for the most part, he's gone whole food, plant-based nutrition. That's where he gets his protein. We just, plants make protein. Animals store protein. So if you eat a lot of plants, you're going to get a lot of protein and you're going to get the vitamins, minerals, nutrients you want. Okay, and other than nutrition, what else can we do to okay, get up on the burnout? Okay, exercise. Uh, you know, they've, they've been uh, a number of studies that have shown, you know, rather than take these drugs that are mind-altering to change your mood and get you back into normal, but a lot of times you stop taking the drug, you go back into a funk, into a depression. But if you walk 45 minutes brisk walking a day has the same effect on the body as taking the drugs and sometimes better because there's no side effects That's and true. you can always walk you can always walk so eat healthy exercise six days a week uh including doing strength training and the the women's book also highlights strength training exercise you know it could be push-ups can be uh, you don't want to necessarily do sit-ups. They advocate in the book sit-ups, but not necessarily. It could be bad for your low spine. But at any rate, you can do things to keep your body strong, planking, and all the rest of that. Uh, and also, you know, the, the prayer and meditation can be really good. Drinking a lot of clean water, avoiding fizzy soft drinks. Uh, they shorten the telomeres, these little things that hang on to the, uh, the chromosomes. And the longer the telomeres, the longer you're living, the shorter they are. Get your affairs in order because you're checking out a planet soon. Uh, you want to make sure that just two soft drink cans of soft drink a day shorten the telomeres and, and cut, uh, I believe it's 15 years off your life. You know, wow. so it's, I, I got to go back and look that one up again. But yeah, uh, in the Who's Your Health book, that'll be there with the references to the, uh, the studies and whatnot. So um, the whole thing is uh, exercising, diet, a lot of water, which, by the way, you drink a lot of water, you do a lot of exercising to and from the loo. You know, it's, um, that's good for us, too. Uh, just not all at once. Uh, you drink three liters of water at once, and you can kill yourself. Yeah, you're going to dilute your blood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where you need to, uh, you know, stretch things out throughout the day. Okay, uh, great. Too, good. Okay. Thank, thanks for all these uh, really practical tips. Um, so going on to one of my last few questions, okay. if you were to suggest one thing for the viewers that can transform their lives and leave their legacy, what would it be? Uh, the one thing to, to transform your legacy is you, you've got to eventually find your passion and do what you love to do. You've got to love getting up in the morning. You got to feel good about yourself in what you're doing. You got to feel good about your relationships with your family. You got to feel good about your relationships with God if you, if you have one. You got to feel good about what you're doing, that you're making a significant contribution. Uh, anytime that we can get uh, employee engagement, you know, productivity is increased in an organization. 
So we find ways of doing that with, with companies. You need to be able to grow as a human being. You'll never be satisfied with your worst day being every day. You will be satisfied and actually empowered by having a great day every day and feeling like at the end of it all, you left everything uh, everything, all your energy out there, nothing undone that you could do, and there, there's always more for tomorrow, you're going to feel like a winner. And make sure that you're enjoying what you're doing. And even if it's not the most fun desk, your uh, job you are, you're working at a desk, you're a security guard, or um, you're working on a machine, you know, just make sure you're doing the best you can with that. And automatically, you're going to feel the motivation and the pride in what you're doing. Um, if you know that you're getting away with not being your best, you're never going to be proud of yourself. And I'm not talking about ego here. I'm talking about satisfaction in what we do. Satisfaction in giving to others. When we worry all about ourselves, we're never really growing. But when we are loving and caring about other people, that's when you're going to feel great about what you're doing because you're making a contribution to society, to your family, to your friends, and to the world. I really love that advice because it can, it's literally embedded all over through you. Like you being at 65 and still wanting to contribute and still having that passion to go and set a 15 years plan, right? So that's really Woo! freaking amazing. Take me to 80, all right. <laughs> oh, I love it, man. I, I totally love it. So. Before I ask my last question, I know that um, you have a few books coming up, like Take Back My Life, Take mm. Back My Health. And other than that, is there anything else that um, is coming up? Yes, I've been, uh, I started this in 2017 and, 20, uh, and 2018. And last year, I finally got my first country, master country licensee in Japan. And what I'm doing is I'm licensing organizations to do my programs. So I will come in and give them all my, uh, all my trademark material, uh, the slides to show, the, the handouts, the, uh, the file notes, and I will teach their trainers how to do it. So it's no longer just me working with HODs, for example, or just with a C-suite, uh, or just with a sales department, but I'll get, we can get everybody in the whole organization using the same time management principles, the same valuing of their life, the same management principles, same way of delegating and to accept delegation, and the, the same way of, of communicating and, and growing teams. And by doing that, we can transform organizations 100, 200, 300% growth because they're all on the same page. And I'll do it through licensing them and uh, then we'll teach their trainers. They can come to my programs at SIM and I'll teach them facilitation skills and teach them uh, creative training techniques as well as then how to do these programs or we could do it in company with them as well or within the government. But it's, um, I'm trying to get companies and working getting companies and government bodies to license so then they can go and get everybody on board with the same material Everyone's going to be productive. <laughs> Woohoo! Yes, because it's not only possible, it's doable. And because it's doable, it should be done to make us all the best that we could be. Don't talk about productivity. Let's do make it. people productive. Let's do it. Yeah, okay. I really love it. And where can our viewers go and connect and learn more about you? 
Certainly, go to, if you're a business and you're on LinkedIn, go to LinkedIn, Michael Podolensky. Uh, Facebook, Michael Podolensky. So we will leave the link here? Yeah, yeah, website, uh, just michaelpodolensky.com. Mike at michaelpodolensky.com is my email. So feel free to email me or connect with me, uh, see what we've got going. And uh, we will be upgrading that too as the, as the new book series come out. We're kind of waiting until it's all ready so we have one consistent whole. But yes, uh, excited about that and looking forward to hearing from you. Okay. If you like anything I write, publish, do, please remember to, you know, like the, our channel on YouTube, Michael Podolinsky. Uh, you know, then, you know, the, the like and the thumbs up and all that and uh, forward it, any information, other people always appreciate that. And uh, let's keep it going. Any questions you got that I don't answer online or in one of these social media, feel free to write me and I'll, I may make it a next, uh, next blog, a vlog, uh, or some other way of getting the information out to you. Okay. Um, and what is the legacy you want to live in this world? Ah, legacy. I want to make a difference uh, for, for my God and growing the body of Christ. I want to make a difference with people and helping every person become more productive, have a richer, more rewarding life, not just working more hours, but having that eight hours of work, eight hours of family, friends, fitness, uh, fun, and then uh, eight hours of good sleep. I want people to get through with their life and say, wow, that was a wonderful ride and it's a rich, rewarding, exciting life. And I'm, and I'm proud and thankful to have lived. And if we can accomplish that, man, I feel like my life has been, has been of some value. Okay, thank you so much. And that's it for today's podcast, guys. By the way, you should really check out uh, Michael Podolinsky's um, LinkedIn, especially. I was reading through some of his articles and they are really, really insightful, especially if you're running a business because he talks about productivity. And what he does isn't just someone who is a theorist. He's absolutely practical and he practices what he preaches. As you can see from whatever that he's already said throughout this whole podcast, you can feel it through him as well. So until the next episode, guys, start living your legacy. Thank you, Doris. It's been a, been a pleasure. I, I'm honored.